Welcome to module 17 on community. In the last module we explored how we are not obligated to do anything other than be in the experience. This module will explore how to have that full experience. The way forward is in immersive community, yet truly immersing ourselves is a challenge for most of us. The greatest experience of the human condition at present is loneliness. There is hardly an individual on this planet who does not feel lonely at times. Coming to the planet and embodying only one polarity of male or female sets us up to feel incomplete without one another. If you've had moments of feeling deeply alone, know you are a member of the human race exploring one of the most deeply heartfelt experiences we have here. This experience is an invitation not to dwell in the aloneness, but to seek others. As the old Chinese proverb says, relationship is the mirror of our consciousness. Without relating to others, we are not having the full experience we were meant to. I think this is why in this reality, we are not the androgynous beings we are when in oneness forms. One polarity always seeks the other, like two magnets guided by an unknown force. This magnetism creates an inbuilt drive to connect and form community. This magnetism is not always between those of an opposite sex. Often we are in one polarity and then another during the course of our lives. We may be female in physical form, we may be more masculine in our work, we may be more masculine in our primary intimate relationships sometimes and at other times more feminine as the relationship ebbs and flows. We may choose to take feminine or masculine roles within different friendships and with our family members. We are always embodying the polarity that best serves our need to connect. If we need to be feminine, we will be. If we are called to be masculine in another relationship, this is magnetized from us. So often I'm witnessing lightworkers who say they give too much and never receive. This is never 100% true. We all have relationships where we receive more than we give and others where we give more. Community invites us to explore yin and yang in this way. We can only feel whole by experiencing both yin and yang, feminine and masculine. Every relationship in our community is a doorway to experiencing this wholeness. Community serves us in other ways. It stops self-obsession. It's easy to get caught up in endless self-analysis, seeking personal understanding, over-experiencing when we have too much time to think. This causes us to get trapped in endless loops of the ego reaffirming itself. The more full our life is with community obligations, the less time we have for such unnecessary self-obsession. Once we have a child or three or devote ourselves to a community group, hobby or event experience, we exist in the world and stop living only in the mind. We think about the greater good of our family, service or global outcomes more than the microcosm of self, overwhelming the macrocosm of the greater good. This is liberating, joyous and true freedom. When we are fully experiencing with one another, we are totally aware of them, as well as us. 
We may do things like recognising another's love language. This builds better intimacy. Knowing how others' needs need to be met, we become living diversity. This helps us exist in an interesting way, where dogma does not make us become stuck. We are experiencing the multidimensional nature of our possibility. We can be anyone, we can be with anyone, and see ourselves reflected by them. When we are in touch with our community in this deep way, we have a deep experience of others. We make them visible. In turn, they do the same for us. This concept can be seen in relationships with our parents. Often, children are so busy trying to have their unspoken needs met and parents are unaware of the full experience of their children. This causes resentments. Parents feel inadequate, never quite able to be enough for a child who is always reaching for them and yet pulling away, hurt. Children feel unseen, unmet, unknown. What happens when one steps into the experience of the other is healing and it causes ease instead of abrasiveness in these close relationships. The native cultures had a particularly spectacular way of making others visible. For those considered elders, another severely neglected and invisible group of our society. In Western society, elders are considered slow, meaningless and useless. Yet for other cultures, elders were considered highly valuable for their knowledge, understanding and patience. They slowed the pace down, centred the young and helped the middle-aged stay true to the essence of things. They orientated the tribe with wisdom. Everyone in the tribe has a deeply valuable role when they are recognised and met. Everyone is treated with respect and known for their great value. They have a place. If one does not have a role, they feel useless, lost and alone. We must know our place in the tribe. We must see our value in the community to truly live with energy and life force. True community also allows the celebration of rites of passage. From being born to arriving into a family, developmental milestones, being celebrated in achievement, coming of age, receiving the gift of love, having children or grandchildren, reaching wisdom milestones, service milestones, even in death, we achieve certain things for ourselves. When we are celebrated in this way, we are seen. We belong. We're part of something. This creates oneness in our physical experience. It makes us feel like we are home in the world. Whilst we have some milestones that are celebrated, many aren't. The meaning of life is not linked to the world and to our experience, to each other, if we do not celebrate in this way. This is why most people feel so disconnected from others and from life. We've lost connection to this important recognition process that community offers. In our disconnected way of living, we are often conditioned to be selfish. We seek personal gratification, not realising we are part of a greater organism called family, tribe, community. We make rash choices without the wisdom of our elders. We consider only our needs of the moment. We don't care how these choices will affect others. We must consider the community of time. How will our choices affect the next seven generations? How will our long-term community's experience be affected by this choice? 
Often this is the wisdom those who have lived longer can offer. In many traditions, the ancestors are respected. Their wisdom is used as a guide. Not just the living elders, but the wisdom of those in spirit who are still considered to be part of the community. When one has questions, it is to these resources of information one connects with. And prayer is often the vessel of communication or through ritualistic ceremony. Again, these options are missing from our current modern day communities. During one of my trainings in shamanism, I was invited to hold space for a ritual that welcomed Papa Legba and some of the other archetypal ancestors from the Voodooan tradition to open a portal to the participants' dead ancestors. All of the students were able to connect with their passed over loved ones and many came to me after the ceremony to confirm how emotionally moving and informative the ceremony had been. There is peace when we are enveloped with the love of those who are part of our community, even when they're passed over. These days we have lost connection with our tribes and community. We are the lone wolf. Sometimes even those who consider themselves enlightened are more interested in personal fame and fortune than the greater long-term good. Being orientated into an individual community of one creates more loneliness. There is never happiness in an idea or a venture that does not benefit the whole. No business will be satisfying nor abundant if it does not serve the long-term needs of the community you are dedicated to belonging to. Our obsession with self cannot lead to the detriment of our community. We all experience personal process. But this does not mean we can shun our community nor our responsibilities or place in it while we deal with process. Sometimes it is our community's role to hold space for us as we transform, but we cannot externalise process from community. The two must be integrated. Only then can our process benefit community and help the all to grow and evolve. Some lightworkers can become obsessed with self and sometimes are unaware of their effect on others. They don't realise how much pain this causes their community because they are so busy defending themselves or looking at the process. I had this experience personally many years ago. One of my closest family members was diagnosed with cancer of the bowel stage 3. I was the only person in the family who had the emotional skills to be the main support for this family member. They believe in pharmaceuticals as the way, and my way is usually the opposite to this way of thinking, believing the underlying cause must be resolved first. This whole experience was huge for me to walk through, being of total support to another being when from my perspective, their choices were entirely incorrect and may have ended up killing this person whom I love so dearly. I had to hold a lot of my awareness on this process because it brought up some huge things for me to work through. While I was obsessing over this big process, I didn't realise one of my dearest friends was worrying about me but not telling me. He could see I was not myself with my usual resources. He works with a very different spiritual paradigm to mine and believed I was possessed by something. Unlike the practice I was trying to embody, the complete acceptance of someone else's choice of point of view, he started applying his framework to my situation and in the process his actions caused massive damage to one of my students. 
Had I been more present with my full community, this student would never have been so hurt by this other person's well-intended actions and caring for me. This is a great example of how me being consumed with my process and him being consumed with his, but a lack of communication on both our parts ended up hurting someone else in the community. It's also a good example of boundaries. In my opinion, I should have received more presence from this close friend to support what I was going through at the time. If you feel you have to defend yourself from your community at any stage, you are choosing to belong to the wrong one. Your community should embrace you along with your process. If they see you absorbed in it, they should witness you and if needed, engage you directly to help you out of obsessing. But you should not expect your community to save you from overanalysis. This is always your responsibility. This awareness of the greater community and others in it also extends to businesses in our service work. Businesses that don't adopt the community's greater good will perish, as will relationships and friendships. If the business has an intention of greater good, it always flourishes. When it serves only to validate the individual, it never works. Consider a forest. Do all the resources grow one tree to make that tree high and mighty so it can lord over all the other trees and be acknowledged for all its grandeur? No, of course not. The forest grows best when everything flourishes and at the same rate. Consciousness is the same. Community uplifts whatever supports it. This gives power to the individual, which in turn gives more power to the community. It allows for life to flourish, and as life is the primary objective, this is important. Community will only help you feel powerful when you belong to it. When you become part of something, it gives you strength and power. You in turn give it strength and power through your commitment and belief in it. There is a symbiotic relationship where life creates life. It is a life creation process where both the community and the individual are enhanced by the relationship. This is ideal. Just because you care for a community doesn't always mean it will care for you. When this relationship is over, there will feel to be an imbalance where it no longer feels life-affirming to stay connected. When it is time to leave, even the most loving community will reject you. This is part of the greater design to keep everyone moving where they need to be. Don't take it personally. I see this most often with my teachers. Eagles need to be pushed out of the nest by their parents to see if they can fly, and they do. Sometimes we will choose to stay in a community that is comfortable and known. We'll stay there too long, even when the life force is not enhancing us any longer. Usually, we choose this because of fear. We want to stay safe. We want to stay invisible. We don't want to meet the challenges we know await us in growth. Leaving the nest of our community is painful. However, I've witnessed countless times, if we don't choose to do this when we know it is time, some very painful catalyst moment will be created to make us. So when your intuition tells you it's time to fly, Don't wait around until some giant experience comes and throws you out of the nest. Notice these moments and choose to fly gracefully and easily on your own. The hardest times to leave the nest of our community can be when there is deep love involved. 
perhaps leaving the community of two and a long-term relationship or letting the community of friends go when we are no longer resonating or leaving home as a young person away from our family or as an adult releasing our connection to the roles we have had within the family community. These moments are messy and sometimes very hard to navigate. Always remember this one idea. If everyone is gaining life force by being together, it's a good community. If we are consistently drained of life force and so are they, it is no longer the best community for either of us. Often we can feel ostracized, but if we are feeling this way, chances are that same life-sucking energy we are experiencing is being felt by others. We can end conflict around the world by realizing this and moving into the energy fields of community that do support our life force and letting others do the same. When we are fully experiencing the human experience, we are being. We are one with each other. In this space, we are cohesive. We live unity and we create this in the global consciousness for all. This leads to world peace. This kind of oneness in community requires no leader. It is formed by the expression of will. All are recognized as having the right to choose. All may choose without consequence, judgment or being outed. Over the years, I've seen so many elders who have a disjointed view of this. Most of the time, community that is created becomes more about who has more power than another. But this is what is taught to us about community. And it's easy to see why we wish for this, having experienced it in various ways for most of our lives. Think about schooling. The teacher has the power. In government, there is a hierarchy of who is most in charge. In families, one caregiver is often the supreme disciplinarian and judgment maker, the line drawer at the end of the road. We have police to ensure we behave according to the rules others set for us to follow. These are all instigated with the hope of civilizing humanity out of the dark ages of our potential and to form some kind of possible coexistence where we no longer beat each other over the head with bats and drag one another back to our caves. I would say that this system of forced social normality is not working very well. The world is at war in so many ways. Human beings feel inadequate, alone, disconnected, isolated and out of control. They are unheard. They no longer agree with many of the rules forced upon them, can't fit into the social glove they are meant to fit into, and as a result we are seeing individuals and groups worldwide challenging this system of community. Sometimes they are doing this in very harmful ways because like screaming children, they feel the need to yell to be heard. They are looking for attention through their actions. The more diverse humanity becomes, the more likely any kind of control or structure of community we attempt to integrate and enforce becomes unstuck. One glove does not fit all. At a micro level, I see this with those who I assist. Often they are persecuted by their peers. When each person reaches their version of enlightenment and realizes they are standing on a different mountain to those who have been taking the journey with them, and their mountain feels like the right one for them, so fundamentally, it is absolutely expected that disagreements could occur. 
We cannot continue to stand on the same mountain and expect everyone else to join us there. No one else in the world will believe exactly what you do. Some will have similar ideas, but they will never be the exact same ways of thinking in every way. Your lens is absolutely unique to you. Instead, we must ask, what is the view like from where you are seeing it? To see another's framework is fascinating. Their mountaintop has a totally different view from yours. Isn't that wonderful? There are different ways to experience life, completely different ways. I am so curious about all the ways I see. I want to know them. I want to know if another way can add value to my way. Take time to see their view. You never know what beauty it can bring to your life. It may add nothing to you, but either way, it's like taking a holiday from yourself for a moment and experiencing the diversity of another being's world. How incredible. To witness another person in their place is potent. Has anyone ever witnessed you fully? Have you had a moment where you just felt so seen, so loved, so held, so allowed to be exactly as you were, that you came more into yourself than ever before? We call this holding the space or witnessing one another. In this experience, we give permission for everyone and everything to be as it is. There is no measuring, no judging, no compartmentalizing, no reaching, no desire to be anywhere or anything other than we are in that moment. When community comes together to witness each other like this, it is profound. I have seen the power of community when it is a space held for openness and true allowing. The reach and effect of such a space is profound. When we allow space for diversity, amazing insights can be introduced because the space is open to all. Unique concepts, world-changing ideas, new ways of thought can enter and these can have an impact that is incredible. These communities are powerful think tanks of self-realization and are able to bring in ideas that can shape the future. More are needed. When contemplating this approach, people often ask, does this mean we sit back and allow terrible things to happen? No, it doesn't. This approach only works where all people follow a simple rule. Don't harm each other. Intentionally. And ultimately, when you do harm someone without meaning to, take responsibility and clean it up. This may mean saying you are sorry, going the extra mile to soothe someone you have harmed. You may need to correct something you did in error. You may need to do something that is the opposite for a while to make yourself feel better. Maybe you need to end a negative behaviour pattern in yourself. Maybe you need to commit to different actions in the future. You clean this up within you and with who it is effective by asking, what do you need me to do to change the energy here? Never presume you know what another's needs are when you've caused harm. Instead, ask them and let them take time to bring you the answer if they need time to contemplate this. Is there anything you still need to clean up? It is always the right time to do this now, even if it is something that occurred years ago. Having good, clean relationships is so important. If you've read the book, The Power of Humility, which I recommended in a previous module, then you will already be aware of how we need to have relationships 
but do not project or triangulate others into our direct relations together. We need to say what we mean to whom we wish to say it. We need to not involve third parties. We need to be clear about our feelings to do this. We need to own that feelings are our own. They are never created by someone else. We generate them inside ourselves. They are generated by how we choose to think. Our perceptions dictate our feelings. When we are clear, we can be clear with others. We can have true relations with others, not shrouded in projections and assumptions and expectations. You've heard me say in other modules, we need to justify our existence. This justification comes not in what we do, but how we show up with the relationships around us. We show up by being part of the communities to which we belong. We share ourselves fully. We allow others to do the same. We help others to become the very best version of themselves, letting them choose what this version is, and we ask them to do the same for us. This last statement is how we recognise if a community is right for us to belong to. We must be allowed to flourish in our way. If this is not possible, we may have stepped onto another mountain. We need to discover who is on that mountain with us. We need to discover our people. About 20 years ago, Spirit told me that the future of our world was going to consist of islands of light. I didn't fully understand the vision when I was shown it to me, but it makes so much sense now. When you are surrounded by those who lift you up to the very best version of yourself, you become more luminous. In turn, your light creates a ripple effect, which lifts those who choose this who are closest to you. This creates a positive cycle of upliftment. If you are a person who feels most aligned with a Buddhist framework and you are trying to have the same beliefs as a Christian or a person who believes in the finality of death at life's end, you are all going to be on different mountains of consciousness. You cannot coexist while you expect others to have the same beliefs as you. However, if you think of it, as we literally are standing on different islands or mountains of light, then you can accept that we are all in the world, but we are all having a different emerging experience of it. This is the fundamental belief required to keep community strong. We are in danger as we become a global village. Most of us expect others to think the same, have the same beliefs, want the same things. This expectation murders the diversity that allows community to flourish. If there was only one single kind of tree in the world, wouldn't nature seem boring? Yet that is what we often try to create when we want others to think the same as us. Allowing diversity is essential. It lets the imagination of life invent itself anew in different forms. There is absolutely benefit and beauty in the sharing of ideas. We should meet between the mountains and discuss our ideas and witness each other. Some of these ideas we might even choose to take on. Others won't feel right for us. If enough of us take on neighbouring ideas, we may indeed start another mountain colony with renewed diversity from where we came from. This constant exploration is how we achieve the expansion of consciousness. The differences we have fuel this evolution and expansion. Knowing these aspects of community is one thing, but living them is much harder. 
For week one, I would like you to reflect upon an instance in your own life where you felt your community did not allow you as you are or were at that time. If you feel comfortable, share the experience in your feedback. How did you handle being on a different mountain to others? How did they? In week two, think deeply about an experience where you've not allowed another. If you think you've never done this, think again. We all have. Again, please feel very welcome to share this in your feedback for the module in a way that protects the other person's privacy, of course. How did you handle this situation? How did they? What would you do differently now? In week three, contemplate what you need to change in your life in relation to community. Do you immerse yourself in community or do you isolate yourself? If you've ever felt lonely more than 2% of the time in your life, you may be isolating. Most lightworkers suffer from invisibility due to feeling so differently to those in their communities growing up. They have learned to stay invisible. Psychologically and spiritually, they mediate energies and relationships to avoid conflict as an unconscious attempt to cease the deep conflict they feel between themselves and their reality or with those in it. Have you ever felt invisible? Being visible requires you to be seen. This means you must share your opinions, have your thoughts heard. You must allow others to get to know you. At first, this can feel very scary. Over time, it becomes a process of sorting, deciding which mountains we're on and joyfully getting to know ourselves and which mountain we can actually feel right upon. If you feel you are invisible, try being seen. How does this challenge you? How can you move outside this comfort zone and in ways that feel safe but stretch you? Do you allow others to be themselves? If not, how do you judge, expect or want them to be like you? Why? If others are not allowing you to be the very best version of yourself, where will you find like-minded others? How do you seek this on the physical plane? What are you interested in? What beliefs is your mountain made of? What activities might others who think this way be doing? Do you allow community to support you? Most teleempaths have a knowing of doing things that does not match the skills they've been taught. They become all-knowing in their communities ones others enjoy coming to to seek clarification. Over time, it can be unnatural for these people to say yes, to receive, to allow others to see their needs and meet them. Do you allow others to meet your needs? Do you make your needs known? When others offer, do you say yes? Can you receive now? If you didn't feel you had a moment where someone has truly seen you and witnessed you, then this is your key. How can others see what you choose not to show or allow to be seen? Show up as a person who is like everyone else and has needs others can help with. See what it feels like. When we are in unity within, we can be as one with one another. When there is oneness at this core level, there is oneness in the world. You can do more for the unity and oneness and peace of this world by looking at your relationship to community than anything else. 
So contemplate, join, and create.